Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. We've been talking about uh, just uh, recently, um, you know, almost everybody believes and feels that God has called us to find happiness. And nothing could be further from the truth. Some of us have been called um, to, for a life of struggle. I want to say that again, not that you would love struggle, but struggle is very much in keeping with, with uh, some of us, uh, what God has called you to, to endure. Um, Jesus calls it the cross. I want to say that again. Uh, Jesus calls it a cross. Uh, for all of us to find your cross, if you want to follow me, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then deny yourself. So self-denial, putting yourself in, in the right perspective, that life is not about you and, it, and, it, and, and what God has for you. It's not something that is egocentric and to, for selfish purposes. Uh, if you follow me, follow me. Uh, pick up your cross every day and follow me. So Jesus says if somebody that wants to find their life, they're going to lose their life. If somebody lives just for themselves selfishly, Jesus promise you, promises you one thing. You will lose yourself. You will lose your purpose. You will lose your life, your essence, your, your why and you will lose yourself. But he that loses his life, loses up his life, forfeits his life for me and the gospel, for the gospel. You shall find life. You will find life. And Jesus says, and in Christ Jesus, you will find life in abundance. That does not mean life free of trouble or free of tribulation. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it is impossible for anyone to live life free of affliction, free of tribulation. So Jesus already puts that in front and says, let me front load this. This is not a charmed life that God is calling you uh, uh, an easy life, a bed of roses, if you will. Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, it is first uh, a call to self-denial, for self-denial, to put yourself in in the right perspective, in the right place. Not self-hatred, not self-rejection, not self-abasement. No, no, it's just you deny uh, the cravings and the desires of your own life, of your own heart, if you're pursuing purpose, if you're pursuing fulfillment. Now, people that pursue a happiness, uh, you're going to find out that that is an empty run. It is a dry run. Nobody finds happiness that you're pursuing happiness. Happiness or a state of contentment happens as you embrace your purpose. When you find your purpose, you will find a sense of incredible contentment, incredible fulfillment, a realization, a realization, uh, an actualized life, if you will, comes only through a life that embraces purpose. So Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your burden, your cross. Sometimes it's a relationship that went afoul. It's relationships, vows that we've made with with an imperfect person. And I'm talking about you, not the other person. You were thinking I was talking about your spouse. No, you're the imperfect one. You're the one that that is going to struggle with yourself. And so it means that, hey, I made vows. I made covenant vows to be faithful to this woman, to this man. Uh, he or she, if it happens to he or she, to be the, the father or the mother of your children. That's a burden. That's a cross. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment. It's a, where you take a stand, uh, where you realize that the grass is never, ever greener on the other side. The grass is always greener wherever it gets watered. Right? Wherever you water it, wherever you pay attention, whatever you sow, wherever you sow, when you focus on a relationship, uh, those are the relationships that flourish and that God uses for his glory. I want to talk about what now 
and the pursuit of happiness crossed out. It's really the pursuit of life. This series that we're doing is a series that is three-pronged, three messages for each, uh, each main um, um, uh, virtue here. The first is, is that we're talking about believing, and we're gonna, this is our second message on believing. Um, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Saul Martinez helped us preach uh, on, on believing, on, on, not, on not believing the lies. And I'm going to do a quick little review here on, on don't believe the lies. So I want to thank uh, Pastor Saul. And I'm here to cure all his hurts that he left. Many of you wounded, many of you in despair, confused. I've come back to bring healing to your life. Uh, our second prong is going to be, our second leg is going to be belong. So you not only know, need to know who you believe in, but who you are and believe in yourself. Believe in Christ, believe in the mission, the purpose. So it's in pursuit of purpose, not happiness. And then the third is going to be become, become. And the, our pursuit of becoming and actual, finding actualization. So last week's review, real quickly, is don't believe the lies. Though the enemy is a liar. Do you know that Jesus described the enemy in four ways? Jesus described the enemy in four ways, and I'm going to share that here in shortly. But don't believe the lies about God's identity and God's motives and God's trustworthiness. So don't believe the lies. So when the first thing that the serpent said to Eve is, did he really say that? Did, did God really mean what he said? That he, you basically were created for his purpose, not to touch this one tree. Did God really say? And so the work of the serpent, the enemy, the devil, is to place doubt, is to have you become a skeptic, to have you become a spiritual wanderer, uh, uncertain of your convictions of what you believe. So don't believe the lies about God's identity. He is who he said he is. God's motive for you, for God is love. God's love, God's motive for you is to build you, is to bring about a purpose in your life that is meaningful and that is everlasting. So uh, Christ, God says in Jeremiah that I know my motives. I know the purpose. I know the plans that I have for you. And those plans are righteous. They're good. They're wholesome. Uh, it is a plan to give you shalom, it says in Hebrew, peace and prosperity, peace and prosperity. You can't buy peace, and no one can gain prosperity without the blessings of God. Uh, and it is to do you good, to give you a hope in a future, is what he says. And then he says, oh, by the way, if you seek me, you shall find me. That's the next verse, you shall find me, if you seek me with all your heart. So God says, I'm available, what about you? God says, I'm approachable, are you approachable? God says, if you draw close to me, come close to me, I will come close to you. Uh, that's what God says. This is, it is an invitation to walk with God. It is an invitation to embrace your purpose, your meaning. Yeah, but don't believe the lies that God, with respect to his identity, with respect to God's motives, and with, with respect to God's trustworthiness, uh, the serpent, the devil's always going to try and have you believe the serpent, cast doubt, make you a skeptic. Um, the truth about the devil is that Jesus says, do you know that Jesus said that the devil's a thief? A thief. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So, so that's the truth about the devil. The devil will never tell you the truth about yourself. The devil will never believe the opposite. When the devil says you're nothing, you're, 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 you're broken, you're worthless, believe the opposite. So the devil is a thief. Jesus called him a thief. Uh, secondly, the devil is a murderer. Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said that the devil, from the very beginning, he was a murderer. Um, and so the devil has come to not only kill, but, but, but steal, but destroy or kill the hopes, the life, the purpose, the aspirations, the reason why you are here on God's green earth. The devil wants to wipe you out, and he's a murderer. He's not your friend. He's not innocent. But the Bible says that the devil is also a liar. I think that the number one 
the number one tactic that the level devil uses is to deceive you. Um, there, are, there are just to deceive you about your own identity, about your God's plan for your life, about your own purpose in this world. It's to bring deception, to cloud your mind, to cloud your heart, your spirit, to deceive you to going into the wrong relationships with the wrong reason, with the wrong purpose, to deceive you and cast doubt in your mind, to blind you so that you're not able to find the right direction, uh, come to the right conclusions. The, his number one tactic, I believe, is deceit through lies, through lies. There's an Old Testament uh, 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 story where this, this, this king was just trying to make a decision one way or the other. And there is a spirit of God that went, uh, a demon spirit that said to God, uh, God was asking, how do I stop this? And the spirit demon says, let me go into him and let me be a lying spirit. Let me just lie to him. And sure enough, that's exactly how he brought the ruin of this great king and kingdom through a lying spirit. What, is the, what are the lies that the enemy has somehow injected about you or, or projected in your heart that you believe that are not true, that are not even biblical, that are not even a part of God's plan and story for your life? Uh, but I love the fact that Jesus or that Paul calls uh, in Colossians chapter 2, he calls the devil a defeated foe. He's done. He's defeated. How many say amen? The devil is a liar. He's a murderer. He's a thief. But he's also defeated. And if you have the right standing, the right relationship with Christ, he is defeated. Uh, there's no curse. There's no witch. There's no uh, enchantment. There's nothing that can come against uh, the believer uh, in Christ Jesus that can undermine the blessings that God already has in store for you through purpose. There are blessings that God has through you through purpose. Uh, and if you embrace, if you pursue purpose, there are things that God has for you that you have no idea how great they are. Here are some of the big lies about yourself. They're, I call them the big five, the big six lies. Uh, the first one is that the devil tries to say, I'm not what? Good enough. Pretty enough. Uh, I can't say that I'm not handsome enough because I am. I mean, but most people, they struggle with their looks. Thank you very much. Thank you. But just think right there. What is it that the devil says you're not what? Good enough, smart enough, worthy enough. Pastor, I'm not worthy. Um, you know, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I'm not, um, you know, good enough. Most of us say I'm not good enough or I'm not, I don't like myself. The second one is there's something wrong with me. There must be something inherently wrong, Pastor, because everything I do or say or try to attempt, uh, it comes out wrong. There's something wrong with me. Uh, that's a lie. There's something wrong with the person beside you, not you. Um, that's terrible. You could tell the, no, never mind. I was going to, I was going to insult people, but I forgot we're online. Um, so, so, or when I achieve, here's another lie. When I achieve X, then I'll be happy. When I achieve X, when I get this, or when I get this done, then I'll be happy. Another big lie is I'm a victim. Pastor, you have no idea. I've been trampled. I've been lied to. I've been abused. I'm a victim. The other big lie is I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. And then the other one is I'm a, I'm a lost cause. And so if, if these are any of the lies that you embrace, that you traffic in these lies, if you even give it the light of day, if you ponder it, if you think, yep, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, I'm not righteous enough. I'm not, um, you know, high enough or... In, in, in self-esteem, uh, they are the big lies that the devil wants to have you believe. I want you to go with me here. Uh, so now what? In pursuit of a purpose, in pursuit of purpose, uh, Victor Frankl says that life is never made unbearable. Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by the lack of meaning and purpose. 
So somebody life runs into frustration. You run aground that relationship, your your life, um, your joy, um, your purpose, or your your that light, that candle, that spark, uh, especially your happiness, your contentment, the joy, the peace runs aground. Not because it lacks essence, but only because you lack meaning, or, or there's not there's a lack of meaning and purpose, and it's not your circumstances. A lot of us, pastor, if I can only overcome this, this issue or this circumstance. That's not true. Um, there is a lack of meaning or a lack of purpose um, in a life that becomes unbearable. I, I love the, the, what um, Mark Twain said, that the two most important days in a life are the day, the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. The day you were born and the day you discover why. I'd like to say the day you were born, the day you were born again. That's the real day. That's the day of days. And then, and then the, the day you discover why you were born again. Why has God brought you into his kingdom? What is it that God has in store for you? Why creative genius? What are your gifts? What is that talent? What is that passion? What are those felt needs? How is God leading you step by step? The Bible says, for the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The steps of somebody who's a believer. The steps are ordered of the Lord. I love to say the starts of the righteous the steps of the righteous and the stops of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That if you are in Christ Jesus, sometimes God says, get busy, get started, get going. Sometimes, and then God will order your steps, your, especially if you're asking God for wisdom, direction, grace, favor, strength. Uh, if you're asking him for, if you do it in humility. And then many, many a times, the stops of the Lord, God will stop you in your tracks. Um, there will be a season of waiting. There'll be a winter season. There'll be a waiting season. There'll be a testing season. There'll be a desert. There'll be a, a, a plateau in your life, in your relationships where you're thinking, what's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with, or, or you'll be a, a blame caster, looking for people to blame for your rut, for the routine. But at, and for most of us, our lives, it's a, it's a test. It's a test of endurance. It's a test of faithfulness. It's a test of time, if you will. Uh, so why you were born and why you were born again. And, and, and then I pray that you discover that you have a purpose of why you've been born again. Jesus says, <clears throat> never mind what Mark Twain said or Viktor Frankl. This is what Jesus says. For whosoever wishes to save his life uh, will lose it. That's simple. If you live greedy, selfishly, ambition. If you live for yourself and, and the relationships are, you know, that you've engendered or to have somebody make you happy, you got married so that your wife can make you happy, mister. Or sister, you got married so that your husband can, can make you happy. Uh, it's already, the premise is already wrong. Uh, it won't work that way. That is a selfish a mindset, uh, egocentric. It is a very narrow, very selfish uh, approach to life. It won't work. It, the opposite will, will, will end up uh, unfolding. Jesus says, whoever wishes... To, be, to save his life, will lose it, will, should lose it, or will lose it. Whoever loses, whosoever loses his life for my sake, for my sake. And I love this, uh, the gospel's sake. In, in Luke chapter 6, it says, the gospel's sake um, um, uh, will find, we'll find life. Uh, for what will it profit a man if he wins uh, the whole world and loses his soul? Jesus Christ said that. How many say amen? Amen. So, so in pursuit of purpose. Um, so your beliefs and the way you talk about God, your beliefs, and the way you talk about God matter. Uh, I want to say that again. What you believe about God and what you, how you talk about him, whether you extol him, whether you brag on God. For example, uh, Psalm 23 is just, the, is this David bragging on God? The Lord is my shepherd. What else do I want? Okay. 
I don't have any other needs. He's already my shepherd. He is Jehovah Ra. Jehovah Ra means uh, my provider and my comforter, my shepherd. That's what Jehovah Ra means. And, and David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have no other wants. Uh, he guides me. Uh, he leads me by still waters. He comforts me. He anoints my head with oil. He protects me. His, his staff and his, uh, his staff, uh, um, and his rod, they comfort me. They protect me. Um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Man, he's just bragging on God. He's bragging on God all the days of my life. And in the house of the Lord, I will dwell forever. It is just David bragging on God. How do you talk uh, uh, to people about your God? What do you say to others about your God? So your beliefs about him and how you talk about God matter. So uh, Luke 6, 45 says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth shares, the mouth declares. Um, and, and can I talk just, just something about your purpose, about your beliefs, that true beliefs are revealed by your action. Your true beliefs, who you are, the essence um, is so, uh, uh, the way a man thinks or thinketh, that's who he is. The way you think, the way you believe, that's exactly how you act. You comport yourself. You end up doing the very things that you are or that you think or that you believe about yourself or that you believe about God. For those of us that believe that God is eternal, that God watches everything and everyone at every time, we are careful because we realize that we're never alone. God is watching. See, see, God is watching. You might think you got away with it. Maybe your wife doesn't know. Your husband doesn't know. Your friends don't know. God knows. And that's all that matters. That whatever is done and in, in, in hidden and secret will be shouted from the rooftops one day. It'll come out. It'll be manifest for nobody. Nobody can mock God. Whatever a man sows... That's what he also reaps. It doesn't matter who you are. So, so when you know things about God, when you believe your, your beliefs, your convictions about God, they uh, change behavior. They, they modify the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you interact with people. Why? Because God blesses the humble. So, so I've got to resist being proud. All of us have to resist being proud. All of us. Because God resists the proud. It is in scripture. So when you know that, that that is God's way of interacting, then, but he gives grace to the humble. He promotes the humble. God enlarges the humble. Uh, so the, God blesses, enlarges, um, promotes the humble. So the only way to be great in life is to be unassuming. It's, to, it's to, not to believe that you're great. It's to believe that God is great and he makes other people great that are humble, that are hungry, that are holy, uh, so that God can take you to a sense of contentment and peace. How many say amen? amen. Just one, one word about purpose here, about purpose. It, it is the reason why you were born. In essence, his pastor, oh, my purpose. It, it, is, it is why you were born. And if you're able to discover your purpose, and let me share why that, that almost nobody knows their purpose when you're young or when you're spiritually um, young or you're spiritually infantile or you're an adolescent. That purpose is discovered as you grow. Paul says, when I was a child, I didn't know my purpose. I talked like one, I thought like one, and I judged like one. Um, Galatians chapter 4, they said that while a child is still a child, it doesn't matter if he's the son of the, of the, of the owner of everything. There's no difference between a child and a slave child. Because the child doesn't even know that my daddy owns it all. How many say amen? He doesn't even know that he's inherited. That, that he has the rights. That one day he will have this whole hacienda. That he's going to be placed in charge of, of everything. Because that is what a child does. He grows up and he inherits what the parents leave him. How many say amen? So while somebody is still uh, spiritually immature... 
while somebody's still spiritually wandering, uh, not rooted, not growing, um, you'll always wonder, Pastor, what's my purpose? That is why it's so incredible, important, incredibly important. It doesn't matter who doesn't come to church on Sundays. Come to church on Sundays. And if it's not Lifehouse, another church, but be rooted. Get rooted. Um, um, it's important that you learn and or to look for a life group. A life group is not going to be something magical. A life group, maybe sometimes we over-promote it and we under-deliver, and that's, that's not intentional. But I can tell you that we believe in the power of a life group, the power of a pack, the power of a small team that gets together. And it's, it's, it's a place where you feel like, man, I belong here. I connect. There's fellowship. I can grow. I have friends. We call each other. We pray for each other. Uh, we feel each other's burdens. Uh, we love one another. We comfort one another. Uh, we support one another. We forgive one another. Uh, maybe a life group was not, that, that session was not maybe transformational, but the relationship will be. I'll say that again. Maybe that, ses that session itself is not maybe life-changing, but the relationship can be uh, as you commit to, uh, to relationships so that you don't wander, so that you're not a lone wolf, so that you're not wandering and walking through life suffering by yourself. Let somebody else suffer with you. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Burden somebody else. Uh, that's what friends are, are for. Uh, how many say amen? So uh, the beliefs uh, that um, the true beliefs are revealed are, re are, are revealed by action, uh, by the way you and I behave, by the way you and I comport ourselves. Um, in uh, Luke 9, 18, here's the premise of today's study or today's message is that Jesus left the crowds to pray by himself. I pray that everybody would leave crowds to pray. Okay? So, so ask yourself, do you pray? And if so, when? And when do you pray between you and God? Only his disciples were with him and, they, and he asked them, who do people, who do people say I am? Jesus could have said, never mind what people say I am. No, Jesus wanted to be able to contextualize in your mind and in your life and in your context. What do people say about the God you serve? Who do people say about Jesus or that Jesus is? And then, well, they replied. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say that you're one of the ancient prophets that is risen from the dead. And then Jesus says, and then he asked them, but who do you say? Who do you say I am? Because that is the fundamental question. Uh, um, there's Andy Stanley says that there's no greater question than this here in all of scripture and there's no greater prophecy that Jesus says about respect to this uh, the, the the only thing that matters is what what do you say Amen. what do you think what is your relationship with Jesus Christ who do you say that he is who do you say that Jesus is that's it and if you get it right man you're going to prosper God is going to bless you you're going to discover your purpose you're going to walk in righteousness your sins already forgiven the past the present and the future sins if you get this answer right if you see Jesus as the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah that came, the anointed one of God, uh, the son of the living God. Now watch, Jesus knew his purpose. For this purpose, the son of man is manifested. For this purpose, he came to undo all the works of the devil. See, Jesus knew his purpose. He came, the Bible says, 1 John, that, G, that for this purpose, the son of man has been, uh, the son of God is manifested. Came for this purpose, to undo the works of the enemy. All the foul play, all the pain, the shame, the brokenness, the sin, the, the broken life, the lies. Uh, Jesus' purpose was to, and the reason he came was to undo all the works of the enemy. The Bible further says that Jesus came to seek and to find that which was lost. Everyone who is lost, that's his purpose. What's yours? So what's your purpose? 
And as I was growing up in church, I really didn't want to be a minister. I, I wanted to be an athlete. And then I discovered I went to a, a, a tournament in Compton, from McFarland to Compton. And we went to a basketball tournament. I thought, and, and there was one year I was a junior, I was the highest scorer in basketball in Kern County. I, I know you guys believe me. Just look at me. The moves, the, the intelligence. I'm left-handed, dribble everywhere behind the door. So I always dribble with my right, but I'm left-handed, right? So just everybody thinks righty, 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 wrongy, wrongy, wrongy. I'm a lefty. Okay, thank you very much. I, my arm hurts or else I'd be showing you all my moves. Um, uh, but I went and then I discovered, man, that I'm not going to. So on that bus ride home, it was like sobering. I'm a junior. Just, just sobering about. And then I said, I'm going to be a businessman because I don't want to be po. I, so some people, I'm so po, I can't even, I don't, I can't afford the other O-R and poor. So, so I grew up poor. Broken, you know, just, just in a great family, great family, love God, but really poor. This is the truth. Uh, just, just, I would ask mom for money. Me, he told, where? I don't have money. Uh, we would go, as anybody who's been a, a high school athlete, after the game, you go to McDonald's, and I would sit in the bus and tell all kinds of lies. I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not hungry. I'm starving. I just didn't have any money. I don't feel good. I just, I just didn't have any money. God would always have mercy. Uh, but, but I, you know how you people back where you would have a duffel bag for your, for your clothes, your, your towel, your jersey, your tennis, your tennis shoes. I had no duffel bag. I would get the best uh, towel that we had that my mom had there. And I would, I would wrap my socks and my shoes and my jersey in a towel, wrap it up, uh, put a, a, a shoestring around the towel on both ends. And that's when, if the home crowd was on our left hand side, I would put it on the right hand side when we walked in. And as a, as a sophomore, I was a varsity player. And already starting as a sophomore. It didn't matter because it was McFarland. But anyway, um, <laughs> what's so funny? But I would put it, I would tuck it on this side. If they were on that side, if we were playing, I would tuck it in here. I would always walk right in, in the middle of the pack. Because I was embarrassed. No, no duffel bag. Uh, I used the same tennis shoes for, for every day for the game day. Amen. Okay, you're not with me. Amen. And I'd ask my mom, mom, mijito, I, I don't have. Somebody, God bless uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Henderson, his name, Henderson. He just noticed. Um, he, he saw just my person. He felt, and so he ha takes off his hat and he starts a collection. And all the home crowds, it's, it's a collection. And so on one of those uh, days, uh, my coach shows up, Coach Bailey, with a, with a brand new duffel bag and brand new tennis shoes. And, and, uh, and I was like stunned. And I was surprised. And I had pride, pride, I'm sorry to say. And I said, no, I can't take that. I can't take And Mr. Bailey said, Saul, it's a gift. Take it. It's from somebody, from the people that see you. And they, they want to just bless you. And so, so, yeah, God spoke to me, says, don't be proud. So then I said, okay. So then I was going to, and then God says, uh-uh. I was going to walk in the middle of everybody. And God says, no, I want you to walk in front. I just felt God says, get in front of everybody. And, and display that duffel bag proudly so that everybody that gave a dollar, a nickel, a five dollars, everybody. And so I did. And when I walked in there with a the team, you know how most of the time the crowd claps for the varsity home team. And it was a real, real good clap that day because people felt like, oh, we're blessing. What I'm trying to tell you people is if you, that when you're young, you think you know your purpose, but you don't. It was never to be an athlete. It was always to represent Jesus Christ no matter where, 
you're at in life was to give God glory. That's your purpose is to give God glory, to walk in righteousness, to be true to who God's called you to be, to be true to yourself, to be faithful. Um, and so the, the answer was, you're the Messiah sent from God, the son of the living God. Let me just go real through. So what does, what does the world say about Jesus, the world around you? Who are you hanging around that has a different testimony, a different mindset, a different behavior about Jesus? So who, are it, who is it that, that you've allowed to infiltrate, to influence you? Why? Why, why, why? Uh, so when you, God's called you to be salt, you're supposed to be the light. You're supposed to be the person that influences others and not the other way around. How many say amen? What do you say? How do you talk about Jesus? What is your testimony about Jesus? Uh, what do you say about Jesus? So real quickly, um, um, uh, so what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe or what do you believe about Jesus Christ being the Messiah, the son of the living God? Do you believe that? So the number one, if you've got your outline real quickly, I'm going to go with this with you just so that you have a basis to study, to grow spiritually. Do you believe that the answer, the, the first one is, do you believe who Jesus says he is? Do you believe that Jesus, uh, that Jesus is who he says he is about himself? So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Jesus, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, uh, is called a mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the Lamb that came to cleanse us from all sin. How many say amen? amen? Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He's your Master. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So what do you believe about Jesus? Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but He's also the Lamb. Jesus is the word that was made flesh. Jesus is the bread of life, the great I am, Jacob's ladder, the Alpha and Omega, the judge of all the earth, the open door, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. That's who Jesus is. And we're just barely beginning to scratch the surface about who Jesus is. Every Old Testament book talks about and points to Jesus. Uh, every prophet pointed and talked about Jesus. Uh, every ritual in the book of Leviticus is all about Jesus. Every ceremony points to Jesus. Uh, every uh, every um, a breakthrough, every, uh, every uh, worship or act of worship uh, was all about Jesus. Uh, every king, prophet, uh, and psalm is about Jesus. How many say amen? So Jesus says uh, to them to, to actually said to Philip, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one uh, can come to the Father. No one has a relationship with God the Father except through me. Jesus said that. How many believe that? So I believe that, that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God the Father. Um, um, number two, uh, combating, uh, number two. So wh who do you say that I am is the question of our studies. Who do you say that Jesus is? Number two, everyone should combat uh, contradicting voices, opposing voices with your conviction. Do you have enough conviction to resist, to counteract, to, to kind of push back uh, opposition, other voices that are going to say something different about God, about you, about God's plan for you. There's always voices around all of us uh, trying to knock you down, undermine the biggest and most uh, uh, detrimental voice that's going to come against you is your own. Is when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. What are you doing? Uh, you're a fool. Uh, why are you pretending? You're a hypocrite. Uh, those are the biggest. And as a matter of fact, you are the only one that tells you things that you would never allow anyone else to tell you. Uh, you wouldn't allow it. 
But you insult yourself. You degrade yourself. Uh, you uh, basically undermine yourself, your confidence and your calling, your purpose, uh, your image, your self-regard, your self-regard, your self-respect. You don't have even respect for yourself. And, and when you begin to disrespect yourself in your mind and you begin to call yourself names and you begin to undermine who you are, you are the glory, you are the image, you are the likeness of God Almighty. You are the apple of his eye. You are the apple of God's eye. God doesn't make mistakes. He only makes masterpieces. You're not a mistake. You were not born out of time. Even if somebody says you're a mistake, you are not a mistake. God has a plan. You are a masterpiece. God is working in your life and you're not done. God's not done. You're not done. God's not done. I am persuaded, Paul says, I am persuaded that he that began the good work in me in Philippians chapter one, verse six, he that began I am persuaded, I am convinced, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that he that began the good work in me is, is going to complete it. It's still working things out, putting things into context. I know that he's going to perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many say amen? God's not done, I'm not done. Um, so let me just, um, come worship team, come help me to, to, to finish this awesome, powerful sermon So who do people say that I am? Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And ultimately, you are the Messiah. Uh, the Messiah sent from God. The son of the living God. Now watch this uh, conviction. So, so how can you resist bad influences, bad voices, ill voices, evil voices, contradicting, opposing, conflicting voices? How can you? Through conviction. So, so you've got to know what you believe. You've got to get grounded. You've got to know the word. You've got to know at least three or four or five verses. So if somebody asks you, what's your favorite verse? So if you're blank, so find one. So, so for this purpose, find, find a verse. Find two verses. Find five verses. If, if my kids were here, I'd just have them come up and have everyone say three or four or five verses. Each one, even Sarah. Uh, she's seven years of age. And they, we, just, we just say, okay, verses. We sometimes just go through the, just all of us say a verse from the Bible. A truth that speaks about God, who God is. You exalt God. You, you speak to yourself through verses, through scripture. How many say amen? How many say amen? So, so, so conviction is, is a firmly held belief. What is it that you say and that you know that you believe? Uh, so here's Job being ravaged, ravaged. And he says, Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. So he's being ravaged. He's lost everything, 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 except his, um, I was going to say his complaining wife. For some reason, God left her. Thank you. Everything. And then his wife says, curse God and die. And he says, thank you very much. He says to the wife, appreciate the, the support. Except his convictions about God. He says, I know that my God is a redeemer. And I know that my God is alive. And I know that my God is going to raise me up on one day. Even if my God kills me, even if he slays me, I'm still going to believe in him. Even if my God kills me, I'm going to believe in him. And then I know that one day I will be resurrected. And then with these eyes, with these eyes, I will behold him. With my own eyes, I will behold my God. See, those are convictions. They're, they're, they're strongly, firmly held beliefs. Oh, I love the, it's a state of mind and a, and a will. A state of mind and a will, a disposition, if you will, of a person who is sure that he or she believes, or what, what sure of what he, that he or she believes 
uh, is true. That whatever you believe is true. It's, it's grounded in truth. And, and you've got to have that same conviction when it comes to God. Here you go. You, the number three, you choose faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. Uh, choose faith over fear. Um, just, just, there's a lot to be said, but I'm going to just finish here. Uh, Thomas was afraid. He was doubting God. You know, uh, basically faith is, is, um, is trusting God, trusting his word. Faith is trusting God, is trusting his word. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. It is certain of what you don't see. Faith, faith is having complete trust and confidence and belief in someone or something. That is faith, having complete trust, having total confidence and belief in someone or something. It's, 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 it's actually, faith is actually something that you put to a test or God will put your faith to a test. Something that you don't see, but you, you begin to believe. It is calling those things that are not as though they were, as though they were. Uh, faith is being certain that what God says is true. That's faith. And it will come to pass, even if we cannot see it with our own physical eyes at the moment. Uh, without this kind of faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, and then the, the last one here, just for your notes here, um, he says, the blessed are you or blessed are those who believe without seeing. He tells Thomas, Jesus tells Thomas, um, and then persevere, persevere throughout, uh, through disappointments and the unexpected. So if you're going to build, if you're going to embrace your and pursue your purpose, if you're going to pursue your purpose right here, just, just this, this is it. Thank you. As you believe in Christ. You, you believe, you believe. Um, and then you, you need to wrap yourself about, uh, with God's grace and, and just, just oppose all those voices that come against you. Have your faith stand the test of time. I'm going to share a little, very small testimony, but to me it was meaningful. To me it was so personal, so timely. So I'm working in the fields in Nebraska with my family, my parents. We would leave for 12 summers. We would go from California we would leave in March, April, work all the way through September, October in the state of Nebraska. And we would work in the sugar beets. We would work also uh, hoeing beans, cleaning uh, fields out there. And I had, a, for about two or three days, an infection uh, in my gums. Is it, back then, my parents didn't have insurance. We didn't have money to, to go to the doctor. My mom would pray for us. God either healed you or he took you home most of the time. Or my mom would beat it out of us a lot of times. Whatever sickness we had, my mom was just a woman of God. Uh, she would use any tool, anything. Okay, never mind. Um, but but so and then so God is dealing with with me in my heart, and I'm saying, God, I can't. I haven't eaten in two three days. I feel like I'm getting weak. But there's a, an infection that I, I this is so painful that anything I ch I chewed would I just I couldn't. So I'm working in the fields. The, the fields were like half a mile long, and I'm not kidding. They were circles of uh, just just half a mile. And so I said, God, you know, I grew up in church. And I don't remember ever a miracle for me. I just began talking to God. I remember, I remember seeing people get healed. I remember people getting up from a wheelchair growing up in church uh, and, and having their extremities be healed or, or delivered from cancer. And from, and, but I, I'm, I'm working. And I said, God, but I don't remember a time where I had a miracle where you did something that I knew was a, a miracle. And, and so I just, I'm praying. I go, God, by the time I finish this row, and I'm way ahead of I'm, I'm, my brothers and sisters that are behind, we're all working in the fields. And I said, I believe that by the time I finish this row, that you're going to heal me. I don't know how you're going to do it because the pain was intolerable. 
And, uh, but I said, you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm just going to say that you're going to do it. So, so I began to say, God, thank you for healing me. I'm working. I go, thank God, I'm just going to thank you that my gums are healed, that the infection is gone, the pain is gone. And Father, I just began to worship him, and I forgot how close the road was. I just began to worship. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something happened. The, the, the pain left me. All of a sudden, there was no pain. There was no inflammation. And I was just like four or five steps from finishing the row. And, and I experienced my first personal miracle. It might not be too meaningful for you. Hallelujah. But the pain, the inflammation, the, the pus, the infection that was in there, I don't know how it evaporated, how it disappeared, how it was gone, but I stand here before you aware that one day I'm going to stand before a living God. What I'm sharing to you with you is not an exaggeration. It is not hyperbole, uh, no extra salsa on the tacos this morning. Just, just, just what it is. That, that by the time I was just a few steps from finishing, the pain was gone. And so I went. I should have fell on my knees. I should have. Just hindsight. It would have made for a better testimony. But I went for the tacos in the, as the station wagon. I was hungry. I, I, oh, thank God. I couldn't believe it. I was with my tongue. You know how you're looking for the pain. And it's not there. I went. And my mom had made some tacos. It didn't matter what they were. They made me just beans. But they were the most delicious beans I've ever tasted. Uh, because our God is a healing God. Our God answers your faith. Your faith, your faith moves the hand of God. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads with me? Would you bow your heads with me? The, the, the reason we're engaged in this series of messages is for you to believe. And if you believe the right beliefs, if you embrace the right convictions, then God will take you to a place where you belong where you feel like God's called me and I belong in the family of God. <laughs> and ultimately, God wants you to become. Become that instrument. Become that father, father. Become that husband, papa. You need to become that man. Um, become that wife. Become that mom that your kids deserve. A, a real, righteous, God-loving, contrite, sensitive, wise man or woman of God, what would happen if you uh, go from just getting your beliefs like totally solid in who God is, <laughs> and then you, you just embrace, uh, embrace the opportunity to belong to a family of God, to belong to a church, to sign up for a life group. I, I, I dare you. I, I'm asking you. And again, don't expect something magical. It's, it's in the process. The magic, the miracle, the blessing, the wonder happens in the obedience. As you continue to just um, persevere is the last note. You persevere. You don't give up. It's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She just persevered for 12 years. She hung in there. She spent everything she had. And yet she hung in there. She continued to believe. <laughs> she continued to believe. She One day she heard. She, the Bible says she heard Jesus was passing by. And she persevered and she pressed persevered and pressed through a crowd, a thronging crowd. She pushed and pressed through a crowd. Hallelujah. Pressed and pushed through a crowd. Um, up there, if you're up there, if you have my, my push slide, Abe, if you can find it. If not, that's okay. For those of you online, God bless you. 
Um, thank you for being with us online. We pray God's blessings. Thank you for praying for this ministry. Thank you as God leads you to just give um, and, and enlarge the kingdom of God. I know that God will reward you, and will bless you accordingly. It's part of his word and part of his plan. In Jesus' name, would you bow your heads with me? I know that I've asked you already. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.